The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. A very warm welcome everybody. You're watching Squawk Box and these are your headlines. Global markets kick off a 2023 on a resilient note after Wall Street sees its worst year since 2008. The IMF's managing director warning of tough, a tough 12 months ahead. Uh, Covid casts a long shadow over the Chinese economy with manufacturing activity at state firms near a three-year low. President Xi Jinping warning of a difficult period ahead as well. It has not been an easy journey for anyone. We have now entered a new phase of COVID response where tough challenges remain. In corporate news, Tesla posting record fourth quarter production and deliveries, but still missing estimates with supply snarls and recession fears weighing on the EV maker. And NBC News has learned that Sam Bankman-Fried will plead, wait for it, not guilty to fraud charges over the collapse of his crypto exchange FTX when he appears before a New York court today. So, Happy New Year, everybody. Good to see you this morning. Good to see you. Hope you had a good week off. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's all right. How was yeah. yours? Uh, it was very nice. Went yeah. to Italy, did a little bit of skiing with the girls, which lovely, was fun. Lovely, lovely. Absolutely. And uh, uh, come back with a raging head cold. So hopefully really? we'll work our way through this. And I'll work a little bit further away with yeah, you I through think this you as well. Yeah. yeah. No, Happy New Year to you. Yeah, yeah a little bit good. quieter for me in East Sussex. Yeah, mm. just... Uh, Spent a little bit less money than you did, which is nice. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so um, so we got the memo. I think we got the memo. It's going to be really bad this year. Kristalina Gorgieva, it's going to be really tough this yeah. year. Xi well, Jinping, it's going to be they? really tough this year. So expectations coming into the year are clearly being downplayed. Look, the lovely thing as a, as a, as a former trader, the thing about this year, everything that happened last year in terms of your P&L, it's gone. All the good stuff, if you're a macro hedge fund making yeah. money on the dollar or your short bets on bonds, all the bad stuff, if you were everyone else, losing over $30 trillion on these markets, on equities which lost over $20 trillion, bonds and corporate bonds that lost over $10 trillion as well, it's all gone. You're starting with a big fat zero on your P&L. It's always quite a, an interesting time for traders. So you had a bad year, it's gone. You had a good year, that too has gone, apart from the fact you're waiting for your bonus news, aren't you, as well? Mm. Which I know a lot of you are waiting out there. But the problem is, this time last year, you didn't have a care in the world. You didn't have a care in the world. We were 4,700, give or take, on the S&P. We were bang on our all-time highs on these markets. Inflation, I'll tell you, Jeff, inflation was transitory. It was in transition, not real inflation, although mm. some of our... Dear economist friends, still don't think it's real inflation. But there wasn't a devastating, worse war on the European continent ever since the Second World War. We didn't have right. that to look for. We had COVID was behind us as well. Try telling that to the Chinese in 2022. So there's a hell of a lot of issues that we were just blithely ignorant about or chose to be blithely ignorant. Oh, yeah. And the Fed hadn't raised 425 basis points in the sharpest rate hiking cycle for decades. 
Well, all of that did happen in 2022, and the Nasdaq got pummeled down 33%. The S&P got pummeled down 20% as well. I can carry on, and I will as well. Uh, we saw consumer discretionary, yeah, Amazon, down 38% this year. We saw tech down 29% in that year as well. Communication services down 40%. We saw Intel, Intel, surely not Intel. This is one of the stalwarts down 49% in the Dow as well. Salesforce down 48% as well. So a hell of a lot of things happened last year. And your your bubble was pricked in some fashion, wasn't it? It really was. And your blithe ignorance about those negative factors. The good news is, and we can take a look at the S&P, if you like, from the peak, the peak that David, our wonderful producer today, tells me about as well. Obviously, Katie back as well from New Zealand. She was off for a month, you know. Anyway, so <laughs> at its peak and then came down aggressively uh, throughout the year as well. And what have we got to look forward to at the start of this year? Well, we've got inflation fears. We've got rates probably are going to move a little bit higher, although some of our guests have already said they're already at their peak. You've got recession fears. You've still got your inflation fears as well. But the good news is the market has factored all of that in. This S&P valuation at 38.39 is now back down to... About 20 times, right. which unfortunately, yes. unfortunately, if you look at a historical chart, do that. The first thing you do this year, go on, have a look at your PE chart history on the S&P. In fact, you probably don't want to because you'll get a bit of a shock because you now think the market's cheap compared to where it was. Um, history will tell you it can get an awful lot cheaper. Yeah. You don't want your bubble pricked, do you? Let's face it, <laughs> in uh, 2023. That but that cle- well? clearly is could, what's happening. The question I just show is, you is tech it? as well? There you go. go just have a look. No, go that's it. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, are we going to have um, the same kind of losses at the pace that we saw in 2022 repeated? Or is this going to be like the, the, the slow football losing air that you wait to see whether there will be any um, recovery towards the end of the year? I mean, the, the, the question, I think, as you say, you know, we start the year with a big fat zero but actually a very clean slate when it comes to how you think about how you're going to invest this year so much opportunity but so much risk and so much danger and i think what 2022 told us was that traditional approaches to say 60 40 um, portfolio positioning just didn't work. In fact, as as Steve has been pointing out to you, you lost a lot of money in some particular sectors of the market, like growth um, and like tech, but you lost money everywhere. And that was the problem with equities. There wasn't really anywhere safely to go. Apart from the dollar. And the problem with bonds was there wasn't really anywhere safe to go. Let's have a look at the Treasury wall. We'll just have a quick run through this, and Steve and I will pick up and we'll have a bit of a chat here. So as you can see here, Two-year yield, 4.45. We've got an inversion on the Treasury curve, which, as all you seasoned CNBC watchers will know, often implies that we're going to have a recession or at least a fairly bad economic year. As, the, as, as we go out on the curve here, we're, the 10-year note, 3.8464%. And if I tell you that actually over the course of the year, we've seen this 10-year Treasury note up 230 basis points. And the problem with the fact that we've got that um, Treasury uh, 10-year note up 230 basis points is that it was the same story in all the other bond markets as well. So let's have a look at the European yields, if we might, here. In terms of the bonds. 270 
basis points higher. In terms of the Italian paper, we were 348 basis points higher. And in terms of the, uh, the gilts, let's just show you the gilts again, 269 basis points higher on your key 10-year gilt. So all of those <clears throat> lifts in yields reflected the market's perception that interest rates were just going to grind higher as far as central banks are concerned here. And the market repricing the cost of government paper to reflect that. Let's have a look at the dollar. As Steve pointed out very perceptively, the dollar was one place where actually you would have made money over the course of 2022 if you'd basically just sat in dollars at the start of the year, then you would have been fine here. Interesting this morning, though, we are seeing a little bit of a, a fight back as far as the yen is concerned. And I think the market's got this interesting idea now about how interest rate policy is changing in Japan and whether the departure of um, Haruhiko Kuroda is going to signal tightening from the Japanese authorities here. And I'll just mention the JGB plus 40 basis points, um, the 10-year JGB over the course of 2022, which didn't really reflect the market's view on Japanese paper, but primarily how involved the Japanese government itself was in owning its own bond market. Exactly, and that is exactly the point, isn't it? And our sarcasm is back with a plomb this year already, because how much can you tell what the market really thinks yeah. about anything in Japan, with all due respect to our dear Japanese friends, because the central bank owns it, because the central bank owns such a vast percentage, nearly uh, somewhere in the region of two thirds of the, the, yeah. the, the ETFs on the equity side, because they own a vast amount uh, of the sovereign paper as well. Uh, so, so, so what are we looking for in 2023? What's the main thing the market's looking for? Well, for a start, it wants to know whether we're going to go into recession. And I've seen, yes, we're going to go into recession. No, we're going to skirt recession. Yes, we will, but it will be brief and then we'll be, be out, up to growth again by the second half of the year. So no one's got a clue really on that front because all, all three possibilities are there mm. and make plausible sense. But what about the pivot? Are we going to see a pivot? And that's what the market wants. What about the economy? That's a different issue. Mm. The market wants to see about the pivot. Well, yeah. I think rates will stop going up in 2023. There you go. There's my big prediction. I think they will start growing at a lower rate as well. But the right. problem is, the problem is even when, this is the thing that the market's going to get a little bit overexcited about when they start seeing more dovish stuff from the, from the central banks. Even if there is a halting of the rate hikes, which could happen after the next couple of meetings in the Fed and similar in the ECB and perhaps similar in the Bank of England. The fact is rates aren't going down aggressively anytime soon. And even if they start to abate by the end of 2023, that means that the recession is seriously problematic as well. So what do you do? You move from a scenario where the market is blithely ignorant as we were at the start of last year to the threat of interest rate hikes, to the threat of recession, to the threat of inflation primarily. Mm. And now we're going to a situation where, okay, the markets, as we said, are not particularly cheap. They might be cheap on some measures, but on traditional metrics, they're not particularly cheap. And yet the markets are still hoping and praying for rate cuts. You're not going to get that. In fact, we could well be at the end of the year exactly where we are now with a couple of hikes to come and then taking those back off by the end of the year. So actually, your best case scenario is, dare I say it, we're kind of where we are. Then you've got to look at the consumer 
And then you've got to look at other factors, which we haven't really mentioned today, such as China as well, because we've, China is in a very, very tricky situation as well. And as you've been pointing out, the, yeah. the, the reopening hasn't gone too well so far. Yeah, I mean, what seems to be happening, and I think we got that message loud and clear, is we got the investment banks giving us their outlooks for 2023. There was a lot of, oh, it's going to be a year of two halves, because they're anticipating, as you point out, that turn when the central banks say, we've done enough here ultimately policy rates will begin to flatten out and stabilise. So a lot of the market seems to be positioned with this idea of a barbell. Let's let's go back into bond markets because we think yields will stabilise or fall, prices will be higher, you'll make some money there. Stay with equities that generate cash. So there's a lot of call around owning dividend type businesses that have real cash flow, that make real profits, that do real business and give money back to shareholders. What a novel idea for 2023. But at the other end of the the barbell, there is this idea as well that if all hell breaks loose, you sit in gold, you sit in precious metals, you sit in commodities or you sit in cash-like instruments at the very short end of the curve. And that would give you some protection if all of the calls about shallow recessions and workers staying in their jobs turn out to be wrong ultimately and inflation remains much more stubborn here because there are some peculiar things about how 2022 worked out in the round and that is the fact that even as we saw the S&P US Treasury bond index negative 10.9%, Eurozone government uh, debt indices down 16.8%, and all the losses you've talked about here, unemployment is still only around three and a half, four percent in major developed economies, which is quite remarkable given the degree of tightening we've seen. Now, the question mark is, is that a lagging indicator and the job losses are already starting to be signed off by HR departments and your message or your email or your letter will be in the post very shortly. Or are we going to have a peculiar type of very shallow recession this year where people hang on to their jobs and they ultimately see their living standards decline or their household income decline, but they remain employed? And that is the critical part, you know, as to how painful a recession ultimately could be. Yeah, what an exciting year ahead we have. (laughs) It really is, isn't it? So for more on what 2023 could have in store for markets, check out our subscription service, of course. I'm told that it is money well spent, CNBC Pro. Yes, indeed. Uh, Elsewhere, the International Monetary Fund Managing Director, as Jeff was pointing out, Kristalina Gorgieva. Is she on your panel in Davos? Um, I'm hoping. Yeah. I'm hoping. Yeah. You know how these things work. Um, yeah. it, it's it's going to be... Um, you get, you you get know, promised a lot of people it, this early it, it, on. Well, Still another week and a half to go. Absolutely. It's, yeah. it, they always shoot for the sky and yeah. um, and then hopefully you, you get a decent panel. We're, yeah, we're not exactly. talking too much They about tell you you're going to get Elvis and you end up with Chesney Hawks. <laughs> yeah. um, Gorgieva, anyway, has warned, <laughs> if you don't know who Chesney Hawks is, has warned <laughs> that 2023 will be a tough year for the global economy. Gorgieva said the coming year will be more difficult than 2022 as growth slows simultaneously in the world's three major economies. The IMF chief said the US may avoid recession, but signaled there could be another cut to the outlook for China. Well, for more on how the Asian markets are faring on the first session of 2023, let's get out to our very own JP in Singapore. JP, Happy New Year to you. I hope you had a, an absolutely fantastic New Year's and you've still got to hang over because you're young enough to still be like that. Uh, and what's going on in the markets? <laughs> 
The hangovers get harder, Stephen, more unpredictable, yes, as we head into 2023. But enough about me. Let's talk about how the markets here in Asia are reacting. And we have to note that there is a significant bounce back in greater Chinese markets. All about how you view the recent rise in COVID-19 infections out in mainland China. Case in point, take a look at how the Hang Seng has reacted when you look at this particular chart. You'll see here that the Hang Seng did start off with the back foot and actually fell and declined quite, quite a bit as they noted rising COVID-19 cases in the first hour also. Just weighing on sentiment in China and whether that would weigh on the world's second largest economy. We did get the Caixin PMI gauge also coming in and confirming there was a deep contraction in China's manufacturing gauge in the month of December. Then a funny thing happened. We started to see sentiment start, start to Sweden, for lack of a better term. And that's because now markets were starting to look at these things and say, hey, if once this wave of, of COVID-19 infections passes, and it will pass at some point, China's economy will reopen. We'll see more Chinese tourists and uh, more Chinese people coming in and out of the country also and normalize in some sense. And we'll start to see the Chinese economy start to recover. And that's what's getting priced in as you see that significant bounce back for Chinese, uh, for the Hang Seng, as the same you know, pattern is also playing out for greater China, for mainland Chinese markets. So Shanghai also starting off in the red and bouncing back, as you're seeing there quite handsomely. Shenzhen also up by about 1.3% in today's session. Among the biggest gainers, though, we have to note in Hong Kong are casino stocks in Macau, like Galaxy and Sands. They're betting that the resumption and the return of Chinese tourists to the resorts and casinos will see them normalize a lot quicker. And they're among the notable gainers alongside tech shares and even property stocks. Now, we do have to take note of also other markets in the region that are open today and the Cosby today is still in the red but they're also trying to mount a bit of a comeback in today's session in Seoul and that's because uh, Korea, the Korean government has outlined a plan to extend a 35% tax break to support investments in semiconductors and tech, tech shares and that's seeing a lot of these stocks that did start off on the back foot in Seoul starting to really uh, make up for lost ground in today's session. One notable uh, uh, laggard though today, one who's really missed the boat is the ASX 200 in Australia out in Sydney, we did get reports that for the year of 2022, home prices in, in Australia fell by more than 5%. That might be good news for first-time homebuyers looking to catch a bargain. However, it's the biggest decline since the global financial crisis of 2008, and that's weighed on consumer sentiment in Australia, thus resulting in the ASX 200 in Sydney falling by more than 1% in today's session. We can't leave, though, without talking about, Japanese, about uh, Japan, the Japanese yen. And while Tokyo markets, equity markets in Tokyo are offline because of a holiday, take a look at where the yen is sitting at the moment. It's something you guys have probably alluded to earlier on the show. At, uh, just below 130 against the greenback. It's already at its strongest level in about six months. And this also coming a couple of days after the Bank of Japan announced that they are planning to at least alter and, and try to alter the yield curve control um, air, air, area to in, in, a, in what's being seen as a tightening move or a potential tightening move for the Japanese yen. We're seeing markets really price that in. A stronger yen so far might greet Japanese markets tomorrow. And we have to remember there still is that inverse relation between Japanese equities and exporters. When they see a stronger yen, they tend to sort of pull back. But again, this might also be a sign that things are starting to get a bit more, uh, a bit, uh, you know, there's, uh, that there is a sense that perhaps the negative rate environment in Japan will start to lift also, and at least it's getting priced into Japanese yen. All bets are off, though. We'll have to wait until tomorrow to see how Japanese equities and stocks react to this stronger and flexing Japanese yen. Back to you guys. JP, excellent work. Thank you very much indeed for that. Right, quick look at the uh, Asian indices and where they performed in 2022. Just pulled out four for you here. Uh, the ASX 200, one of the better performers, down 5.5%. Uh, worst performers, Hang Seng and Shanghai Composite, both down circa 15%. Coming up on the programme then, Chinese manufacturing falters as COVID weighs on output. We'll take a look at the latest numbers for you after this.
Listen to CNBC's Beyond the Valley, the podcast that explores the biggest tech news from across the globe. Join me, Arjun Karpal. And me, Tom Chitty, every week as we bring you insights into the top stories, unpack the latest trends, and find out where the industry is headed. Now available on Spotify, Apple Music, and Google Podcasts. It has not been an easy journey for anyone. We have now entered a new phase of COVID response where tough challenges remain. Everyone is holding on with great fortitude and the light of hope is right in front of us. Let's make an extra effort to pull it through as perseverance and solidarity means victory. Uh, That was China's President Xi Jinping in his New Year's address calling for unity as the country grapples with the consequences of ending its zero COVID policy. Chinese scientists are expected to brief the World Health Organization on the virus's evolution later today, following agency calls for data on viral sequencing. That's as state media says symptoms are relatively mild for most people, even amid fears that deaths in the country could reach as many as one million by the end of the year. EU health officials will meet tomorrow to discuss a response to the surge amid an FT report that the bloc has offered China free vaccines. The Chinese manufacturing activity fell for the fifth month in a row in December. According to the Chinese PMI survey, the reading of 49 better than analysts' expectations, but of course still represents the lowest since September. The official survey of state firms painted a harsher picture falling to 47.0. That's its sharpest contraction in nearly three years. Let's get to Sam here. So we start uh, the new year, Sam, with, with just very interesting themes coming from China. One, continued weakness on the growth front. And two, just this huge question mark as to how it evolves through this reopening. Good morning to you, Jeff and Steve. A very happy new year to you. Very nice to see you there. Well, yes, we have seen now the first snapshot, you could say, of the economy and the manufacturing sector since China dismantled some of the harshest elements of its zero COVID strategy. And I think what this data highlights is the challenges in having done that. Many experts were warning and expecting this to be bumpy. And I think what we've seen in the data is that it is very much bumpy because uh, we've seen in the Taishin manufacturing PMI Uh, that contracting for a fifth month now. This looks at the smaller and private firms over in China. It does capture a greater share of those exporters. But some of the biggest takeaways from that survey in the month of December were certainly that uh, domestic demand remains weak, as does overseas demand, perhaps a prelude to the trade numbers that we'll be getting out later this month. Certainly as uh, China is struggling to export its way out of this situation, given that we have got this higher rates and inflationary environment, we've also got these growing fears about a global recession, of course. Uh, The other takeaway was that companies did highlight the continued logistical bottlenecks, so delivery times lengthening for a sixth month. No doubt that is going to raise some concerns about those supply chains. Uh, We also had companies talking about in this survey uh, the difficulties in actually being able to get workers. Uh, So what we have seen now, it seems, is that this is less about the COVID curbs now, the lockdowns and those bubbles, 
those um, closed management systems that these factories were using to keep the production lines up and running to now actually people having and the infections, of course, having COVID because, of course, we've seen uh, this uh, virus ripping through China now that includes factory workers. So now it's the struggle in actually getting those people to come to the factories. Actually, in recent weeks, I saw reports suggesting that perhaps some factory workers were being still encouraged to come to the factory to keep those production lines up and running. Now, we also saw that input costs rose as well at the same time as companies actually having to bring down their prices to stay competitive. No doubt that's going to hurt the margins. So there are a few things going on here. Um, When it came to the official numbers as well, as you mentioned, that was the worst reading we've seen in nearly three years. That really just highlights the difficulties for the bigger and state-owned firms as well. Uh, Of course, the big question is, will this get better? Will things improve? Well, we're just a couple of weeks away, of course, from the Chinese New Year. And as far as those factories are concerned, this is a time when we typically see manufacturing starting to wind down. But of course, the expectation is now, once we get over the Chinese New Year, uh, perhaps things will start to rebound and recover in some sort of more meaningful way. We also just very quickly got the services sector PMI as well. Also a sharp contraction there. We'll be getting a reading on how the smaller and private firms fared when we get that data out on Thursday. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.